In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 3. Again, that is Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 3. Please open your Bibles to that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let us all rise in reverence to the word of God. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is Integrity, based on Proverbs 11, verse 3. Integrity is a cornerstone expectation for leadership across societies, whether in global nations, urban centers, or local communities. The absence of integrity often breeds a deficit of confidence, trust, and cohesion. Conversely, where integrity is present and strong, one typically observes, incre observes increased stability, increased trust, and unity. Based on history and current events, one may surmise that certain leaders suffered from a crisis of integrity. What they represented and what they did was disjointed. Shortcomings in morality and honesty have marred and depreciated the value of their leadership. When the integrity of a ship is compromised, the vessel's ability to ride the vast sea is questionable which means the crew and their passengers are at risk. When the integrity of leaders is compromised, the people under their responsibility are in danger, figuratively and literally. Such is the reason for us to review the virtue of integrity. Uh, the cited text, Proverbs 11.3, will remind us of blessings and consequences. Our society may have definitions and explanations of integrity. We will look at that. However, today, at this moment, we will look at this portion of Scripture, Proverbs 11.3, for guidance. Now, whenever we quote Proverbs or any of the wise sayings in, in the Holy Scriptures, we must understand that the beginning is the fear of the Lord. You'll find that in Proverbs 1, 7, Proverbs 9, 10. It's there that whenever we, they talk about wisdom or knowledge, the basis should be the fear of God, because there is such a thing as wisdom and knowledge that is separate from God. Therefore, we must view the motivation and application of the wise sayings in the context 
of the fear of God. Right now, as we look at Proverbs 11.3, let us have that reverence that this is part of those with a hope, part of the text of the wise sayings, and with the hope that we will be wiser. Now, before we get into the substance, let us look at the poetic structure. In Proverbs, we often see poetic techniques, techniques such as repetition and parallelism. Now, in the English world, there are different structures of poems. And uh, they have different categories. Now, in Jewish writing, they use repetition and parallelism. Repetition and parallelism. Now, repetition for them is highly intentional. But, but, intentional, but it, also, it is also designed to show subtle differences, while parallel lines echo a recurring idea, yet again with some variations, and we will look at that. Now, parallelism may reflect something synonymous, contrasting, or progressive lines. What's progressive lines? The second line is, supports the first line, but it added something. While synonymous is, this is the line, this is what they're saying, and exactly the second is saying that in different form. And there's the contrasting, which is what we will be discussing. Now, if you like technical terms, and if you're into theology, uh, the, one of the first ones who who wrote a scholarly material on this was Loth, and he said there's, the structure is synonymous, antithetical, and synthetical. But I simplified it here by saying synonymous, contrasting, and progressing. Uh, the first line of Proverbs 11.3 clearly describes the integrity of the upright guides them, emphasizing the blessing of the upright, and the upright possesses integrity. Look at it. The integrity of the upright. What does that mean? There's the upright and the, the upright has integrity. So we're looking here at the upright that according to this text, you have to be upright to have integrity. And we will discuss what upright is and what integrity is according to the Hebrew. The second line adds clarity to the first line, but in contrasting form. Let's read that. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Now, the beauty of parallel lines is if you don't understand the first line, somehow the second line gives you more clarity of what the first line is. Like here, definitely, the second line is opposite the first line. And Proverbs does that a lot, the fool and the wise. And uh, here it is the upright and the treacherous. Now, if you look closely at the treacherous, the treacherous, in other words, is unfaithful, 
inconsistent, you see there that his crookedness, he is crooked. The treacherous is crooked, as opposed to the upright. The upright walks in a straight path. Usually when they say upright, it is a person walking the path. Walking the path, walking the straight path, while the crooked deviates from the path. And the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy him. <laughs> I think the word crook, do you still use that today? He's a crook. Okay, what does that mean? He's a criminal, right? Why the word crook and criminal? Well, it's probably rooted in somebody not being straight and faithful to the law. They have a crooked path. Now, there's another thing we have to see. Well, the, these parallel lines, these two lines are parallel but contrasting. But it's so precise that the words are opposites. For example, if you look at the word integrity, what's the antonym? Crookedness. The upright, treacherous. The blessing is guides them, and the consequence is destroys them. You see, there's a very well-structured poetic structure, and I hope you, we appreciate, and you appreciate it when you read Proverbs. Now, sometimes we lose something in translation. And that's why we prefer certain translations that try to preserve, try their best to preserve, because like, uh, like in the translation we've read, they've tried to translate it as it is structured in the Hebrew. However, there are some translations that just want to bring out the meaning without the structure. So what we encourage us to do is let's find also the beauty of the structure. Now, there's another technique in Proverbs. It's called ambiguity. So we talked about parallel lines and different types. The third, se second one is ambiguity. Well, well it's, there's nothing ambiguous about this, but it doesn't tell you exactly what to do. Unlike the law, it tells you exactly what to do. If you read the Torah and you read the epistles, it exactly tells you what to do. And Jesus Christ tells you exactly what to do. Now, the writers of Proverbs assume that you know the law. Assume that you know Holy Writ, the Holy Scriptures. So that when they write this in this poetic form, they would assume that you would follow uprightness and integrity. Though it did not say he live an, a life of uprightness. It didn't say. But it assumes that as you read it, you see the value of integrity. You see the value of being upright. And that we should not be treacherous and crooked in the things we do. Ambiguity. It's not, it doesn't mean, it doesn't show us that we should be upright. It shows us clearly. But it just doesn't tell us. It's, it's kind of some of the poems I also write. Um, there's some poems there that you would understand the poem if you understand the text where it came from. Like, because I write a poem in connection to a sermon. So you might read a poem. If you don't know the text where it came from, it not, may not make sense to you. Now, enough of the structures, at least. Let's go to the main text. 
all right? The integrity of the upright, first line. The integrity of the upright guides them. What does upright mean? Again, walking the straight path. Walking the path what? According to scripture. So scripture, what is script, scripture is telling us that he who walks the path has integrity. Now, in the secular world, they borrow as well from the scriptures. It means what you say and do is the same thing. That is a common thing that we hear. Even in the corporate world, what we say and do, companies that, that value their, their name, says we promise our customers what we promise with all our strength, with all our might, we have to deliver that promise so that these customers will be loyal to us. They value a sense of integrity. They value a sense of being straight and direct. What they say and what they do is the same thing. And even as consumers, we learn to trust certain brands because of what they stand for. Now apply that to persons. There are people we trust because what they say and do are the same things. It's not saying something and doing another thing. And somehow I'd like to say societies may have sometimes an integrity crisis. We have had one, every society has. <laughs> I remember when we still use the landline phones. You, you remember that? No. Oh. So we didn't have smartphones or analog cell phones. So when somebody calls and they're looking for your father, then you say, wait. And then you go to your father and you ask him, He's looking for you. Then he says, tell them I'm not here. Okay. Uh, he's not here. All right. Put it down. Um, then your father looks for you. And you tell your friends, tell him I'm not here. Then he finds out and says, you, you lied to me. You shouldn't lie to me. And boy, confused. Um, I thought it's okay because we, you just told me to do that. So it's okay, not okay if it's you, but if it's okay if it's somebody else. See, that's in his mind. There's a crisis there of being united in his mind. It's a crisis. Then he understands, oh, now there are two standards. Okay? One for the family and the other one for everybody else. Is that in our culture? What do you think? Oh, it, it, does it reflect in our politics? For our family, it's different. For the rest, it's different. Well, that's a problem, you see. If society keeps doing that, we become, well, you will see the problems that will come up. And there are many. Now, the word integrity, uh, as, we as we discussed, the word upright portrays somebody walking the straight path. And usually in the Old Testament, it's walking by obeying the law, walking that path, not looking to the left or right, not looking behind, but walking straight. But the word integrity, in relation to the upright, the word integrity is somebody who is innocent, not guilty. Somebody who is blameless. 
Now, the, there, is, uh, there are other variations of the Hebrew, which says completeness and wholeheartedness. So if you look at the, that meaning, which does apply in the usage, not just in the dictionary meaning, but also in the usage of the word integrity. So we see that the upright follows the law and walks a blameless path, but not only that, he walks it wholeheartedly, completely. It's not having second thoughts. It's, this is what the word says, and I'm convinced I will follow what God says. I will follow Jesus Christ. I will follow his word wholeheartedly and completely. That is why if we talk about integrity in biblical terms, it means a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. It's not a half-hearted devotion. It's not a one-fourth devotion. It is, if I have time for God, I will have time. You see, the Bible is nice. It gives us guidance. And it's nice. It's, it's culturally helpful in our families and society. No, no, that's not the way to see it. Because that is just a fraction for you. For us, the Word of God, we look at it as a whole. And we see the world through the lens of Scripture. Now, integrity, as we said, it's about being blameless, but it extends to what? Being whole. And that's where, in the English language, the word integer, integrity, okay, integer. The integer is a whole number, as opposed to the fraction. You remember your mathematics? It's like saying somebody gave you, as a gift, a book of pie or an apple pie, and if it's complete, it's complete. But if it says, I got a slice, <laughs> then you look at the slice, ah, it's not just a slice, it's two slices based on an eighth denominator. If you have the lens of math, everything is math to you. In the same way, if you're wholehearted, you have to be wholehearted in your life privately, in the family, in the community, to be wholehearted and, and straight, walking the straight path. And what is the blessing if we walk the straight path of the Lord? The blessing is guidance. The integrity will guide us in every decision. It will help us. There are times we have to say no to an opportunity because it contradicts our values. It contradicts, it can harm our integrity because we would like to be whole the same way a marriage is whole. Then I will get to treachery. And uh, well, some of us think I'm not treacherous, but when we look at the definition, you'll find out that we could be treacherous without us understanding it or knowing it. So next is the crookedness of the treacherous. The second line, but the crook, crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Now, contrary to the uprights, it's an, it's an opposite. Those who are treacherous pursue twisted paths that diverge from the commandments of God. This tendency to move away from the path is crookedness. That's what it's called, crookedness which can be equated with dishonesty or perversion. But in totality, it means crookedness. A, train, a trait deemed detrimental in both personal and professional relationships. You see, if there is crookedness, treachery, 
it is detrimental to personal relationships and professional relationships. I'm sure you do not want to work with somebody who says one thing and does another thing. You don't want to work with a business partner who says one thing and does another thing. You don't want a partner that says one thing but doesn't tell you everything that is relevant that can affect you. It means what we say and do is the same thing. There's, it should be whole. It is straight. And that includes parenting. So parents, don't lie to your children. Some of them, you'll realize they're smarter than you. Some of them are. Okay? So you, you treat, sometimes you treat children as, as empty heads when they're actually piecing together things in their minds. <laughs> don't treat them as empty heads. If you think they're empty heads, please don't think they follow after you, all right? Okay, they're smarter, especially in today's world. So don't make a promise just to appease their emotion. Make a promise and then it's just to appease the emotion, to change their behavior at the present, but never fulfill the promise. Never do that. What you say and do is the same thing because it builds trust. Because as they're growing up, what are they piling up? The promises you did not keep. It's not easy to remove that from a child. But you can still change. You can say, Daddy has changed, son. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I learned something now. Or if you're a lolo, everything that your dad said is true. Forgive me. But I have changed by God's grace. I'm trying to. You say one thing. So parents, receive advice from a fellow parent. Don't promise anything. Except your commitment your desire to fulfill your role. Because you cannot promise everything because you are not all powerful. So I say, we will try, son. I'll do what I can, but I cannot promise you. Having that state that yes, because that's reality. Else you will be received as somebody who is crooked, now let's go to the word treacherous, okay? Okay, wait, 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 before we go there. You see, huh. every decent society expects integrity from each other, even though it's difficult. We expect it from each other. We should. Now, again, the treacherous is also described as unfaithful or not loyal. The faithful in the biblical context does not keep the covenant of God. Now, the word treacherous is imbued with what? Deceit. That includes lying. Duplicity. Duplicity. Ah, yes, yes, yes. No good, no good. You smile when you're in front but you tear somebody down when you're, they're not there. No, say it when they're in front of you. Yeah, case-to-case -case basis, okay? That's why I'd rather talk to a person and say, okay, let me talk to you. We have issues. Let's deal, deal with it now. I, I'd rather do that than 
and dancing around. It never ends. And in today's world, for the younger generations, you've just learned to shut your phone or block somebody. Well, they gave you that power, right? Before, we couldn't block people from the phone, the landline. We couldn't say the ring is attached to this person. So we know it's that person. Now you can do it, right? So some attach it to their dog. They have a barking dog. Duplicity. Now people just shut them down. They don't talk. Oh, what's that called? They ghost you. Huh? What's ghosting? You just disappear. Leave me be in my solace and isolation. Somebody keeps bugging me before. A brother from Ortigas, when I moved here, I'm not sure if he got over it. He keeps calling me. And calling me for the slightest of reasons. The, uh, I shared this story with you before. And sometimes, okay, what do you need? Let's pray. And I'll pray. But there's a proverb, right? Do not be always in your neighbor's house because they might get tired of you. Yeah, yeah, you have friends. Don't always exp- think, oh, he's my friend. He'll always welcome me. <laughs> proverb already warned us. Doesn't matter what you think of him. Proverb warn us, do not be always, let me rephrase it. Do not abuse the hospitality of your friends because they'll get tired of you. So somebody keeps calling me. And late at night, Saturday night, I was praying, Lord, tomorrow I will preach. Uh, Give me grace. I'm more relaxed now. But there were stages that I don't know the crowd here yet. So I really had to come before and say, I don't know what to say to these people. I know your word, but how do I connect it to them? That's the barrier. Then this guy calls up. Hey, yeah, brother, what's wrong? It was late at night. So when somebody calls you late at night, what? It might be an emergency, right? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to ask you, which is better, smart or globe? (laughs) I said, it's late at night. Why are you calling me? I met him, went to Ortigas, let's have coffee. Please stop calling me. You've got pastors here, you look for them. If you're in Naga, you can bug me because you are my responsibility there. I'm not here, there are pastors here who are even more qualified than me, so you call them, all right? Plain and simple. In fact, I was just saying that I'm the neighbor who got tired of you. I'm also being biblical. It's ambiguous, yes, but it reflects something. I did not want to be duplicitous. Hey, good to see you. No, I'm not happy to see you because you bug me all the time. And I want to be your friend if you bug me with really important stuff. Okay? Then we can have still. Now, it's about insincerity. The treacherous is insincere. Some in small forms. Will you attend the meeting? Yes. Then you don't show up. 
lack of integrity. A lack of integrity. If I cannot trust you in small things, why should I trust you in bigger things? Hmm? I'll be there and you're not. You'd rather say, I can't. It's plain. Uh, will it bring discomfort to others? Maybe. But that's better for your integrity. You preserved it. You're direct and you're straight. And sometimes it's, this happens in, in simple things like somebody's birthday. Hey, you coming to my birthday? And said in your mind, oh no. There's this girl I like who invited me as well. What am I going to do? Be open about it. Look, I hope you understand, brother. I've been wanting to meet this girl. She's biblical. She's a spiritual person. And I really want to spend time with her. Rarely am I invited to an event. But you're my brother. You see, I'll try to catch up. But if I can't, here's the thing. I will personally treat you out for dinner. Wherever you like. You'd rather go straight to the heart of it rather than dancing around and never showing up. And your brother, your friend says to his mommy, Mommy, Junior's coming. Better cook his favorite. Mommy cooks and you never show up. Ah. Children know how to be treacherous. If they're treacherous in these small things, they'll be treacherous when they're in government positions. And that's biblical. The small things reflect the big things. Such treachery stands in stark contrast to the virtue of integrity. A person engaged in treachery is prone to falsehoods like a hypocrite. They behave in ways that belie their professed values. Those who practice duplicity fail to honor commitments. Do you still lend money to others? Well, you can do that if that's your business. It's a lending business, a micro lending. So that's your business, okay. But have you tried to lend money to a friend who's now not your friend? Because they're treacherous. Or have you borrowed money without the intention of paying it? You are treacherous. What if I can't? You don't run away, you explain. I can't pay this right now. I'll be honest with you. But I have not forgotten. And before I drink any expensive drink, I'll pay you off first. Before I go on a trip for luxury, I'll pay you off first. But what's the weird thing? So this guy borrowed money from you and you need it. And he's not paying up with the promised date. Then you see him. Wow, having a great time in, in Boracay. Then he went to Singapore. And then Hong Kong. And you say, you, you're all over, but you've forgotten. Now, if you want to help somebody, help them. But I've heard this so many times. Uh, well, when I was in college, somebody borrowed money from me because uh, the allowance didn't come. So, okay. So, because borrowed money, I had to eat what? The cheapest food around, rice and mungo. That was five pesos then, all right? Believe it or not. Once upon a time, that was five pesos. And that was a meal. 
then in the same cafeteria, he goes about buying a melon milk. I said, that costs more than five bucks, and I'm eating five bucks, and that just is drink. Okay, okay, so there's, there's something wrong with this guy. No, there's also something wrong with me. We can be helpful, but again, I'll be ambiguous there. All right? Oh, okay. I'm learning from Proverbs. I can preach ambiguity for you to figure it out. Um, the treacherous in society, it's not welcome. It's not nice. In our community, let's change our ways. Let's deal with one another in good faith and in good will. If you disagree, disagree with respect. Respectfully disagree, and it's fine. It's good. And if somebody disagrees with it, don't get hurt. Just listen to the explanation because they might have a better idea. Now, the treacherous, their actions do not align with their words. And some of them will fake friendship in public, but in private, become your enemies. Choosing a deceitful path marked by treachery leads to ruin. One might contend that the destructive outcomes of such behavior stem either from self-inflicted misfortune, for example, well, because you lack the integrity, you're treacherous, so nobody trusts you. Or there are smaller and smaller people who trust you. You don't want that to happen. Your world becomes smaller of those who trust you until nobody trusts you. And what happens then, you're on your own. You're on your own. You have to swim on your own. What we say and do means the same thing. Children, practice this early. When you have a commitment, fulfill it, especially to your family. Now, you're destroying yourself, ourselves. We destroy ourselves if we remain crooked. But you know, there are some people who have offended so many because of the duplicity. And I tell my wife certain gloomy predictions. I say, because we know about what happened to somebody before, but it was a matter of time that somebody shoots the guy. It was just a matter of time that these things happen, that there will be revenge from somebody who doesn't care about what happens to them. Well, but the greatest concern would be what? It's not people. It's divine judgment, for God will judge all of us one day. And uh, nobody wants that. Now let's talk about integrity in society. Society shaped, and I'd like to argue this, society shaped by Judeo-Christian values tend to esteem integrity as an important virtue. 
particularly for individuals who serve in leadership positions and trusts. Yes, our society expects integrity. When you look at the Judeo-Christian foundations like in the U.S., still, though quite a number don't believe in God, even in Europe, they expect integrity. They expect the Judeo-Christian values to be implemented. There was one atheist, well, a former member of the Muslim Brotherhood who became an atheist who became a Christian. I hope she remains Christian. Then she said, somebody responded to her because she values now the Bible as a very good foundation for all societies. And somebody said, but Europe, where you live right now, isn't, they don't claim to be Christians. And she said, yes, you don't. Maybe half, but you have Judeo-Christian principles. For example, you say to me, we agree to disagree. That is a very Christian principle. We agree to disagree, and I don't have to take your head because we disagree. Because in societies, if you don't agree, I kill you. You know, that joke's for real, right? That is why we value it as well. Now, the very moral fiber, fiber of our family and, and society is under attack from ungodly forces who try to veer away crookedness, veer away from these virtues and values. It can come from the media, from entertainment, especially entertainment, peers, friends, school, and work. But society and the family in particular must not lose the moral fiber. Because if the family loses the moral fiber and society loses the moral fiber, if we stop valuing that our word can be counted on, that we can walk the path of what is lawful and what is biblical, if we stop that, just think, just think of a society full of treachery. How can we live there? I was watching this documentary, uh, I think somewhere in Africa. So Africa is a big place and there are several war zones there, but some have not become war zones anymore. So uh, the, there was one particular village, everybody carries an AK-47, everybody, See, everybody. So <laughs> this old man was being interviewed why do you carry an AK-47? And he laughed. <laughs> of course. If you don't have that, somebody will point a gun at you and say, give me your money. Because I have this, nobody can just point their guns at me. I'll point back at them. Mm, in a world of treachery, we need to protect ourselves more. So what do we as believers should do as there are attacks from everywhere to take us away from scriptural standards? Well, we must put a credible defense. Defense in our minds, defense in our communities, our families, our business. We must have values in business that say, if we treat the customer right, they will keep buying from us. There will be loyalty. 
if we fool the customer, and they're quite intelligent these days because so many sources on social media to study, if we fool them, they will learn of it and they will lack the trust and in the future, they will not work with us. The best credible defense is the Holy Scriptures and since God inspires all Scripture, we must proclaim the whole truth. Every church community must study the whole Bible. Proverbs filled with practical wisdom would significantly make families and societies wiser. You know, read the book of Proverbs every day. Well, un until it's really part of you. Families could have read that and say, okay, we have here a, a protocol of ethical living. Why don't we start here in our family? Well, let's just start. Nobody's perfect. I'm sure I'm guilty of it somewhere here. But let's all start. Let's all humble ourselves. Instead of pointing fingers, all humble ourselves. Because you may not know, you're also guilty. And, and just read through it and say, let's live it. And remind ourselves of it. Now, it is believed that the collection of wise sayings, according to some scholars, which is Proverbs, you know, the purpose of the collection of Proverbs, they say, is what? Listen to this, written by scholars, to preserve the family, hmm. our family, to preserve the family and society through mutually shared values. Mutually shared values. Now, even if most in our society do not believe in the gospel, we hope that they will receive the values taught in Proverbs. Yeah, we proclaim the gospel, but even if they do, don't believe, we're, we hope that at least the values they would believe so that it helps preserve society still in one way. Well, we must persuade our leaders to live it. We must live it and teach it to our children, churches, and communities. Again, let me give you back the question. Imagine a world where everyone is treacherous. Now, how can we live in that world? What kind of world will that be? Now, conversely, imagine a society whose people uphold integrity. Now, what kind of world would that be? I'd like to live in that world. But we can start here as a community. We can start here as a community. You're still there? God is good? Yeah, yeah. Reflection. Now, now, when I said even if they don't believe in the gospel, at least they would still be, would believe in the shared values like integrity or being upright, at least to the law. The law is supposed to protect all of us. Now, there was this discussion about some atheists and some not-so-atheists. I don't want to call them. They're, they're ambiguous. <laughs> but they said that neo-atheists have failed something. Because when they, you removed the classic values based on Judeo-Christian principles, you get a world right now where everything is relative. My truth is my truth. That's your truth. It's relative to a point that it's becoming ridiculous. And there's this little kid who became viral online who said a joke. And the kid said, in your time, 
you had one woman. In my time, I wonder if it is a woman. <laughs> when truth became relative, that is a dangerous thing because there are things that have evidence and there are things that do not. And there are things that may not have evidence, but we have evidence to know that it is good for society. But relativism to the extreme, you see, relativism to a certain level is good. Because your experience of the typhoon is different from my experience. That's relativism there. There is some good in it. But we can never remove the fact that there was a typhoon. There are some things we do not just change because it did exist. For us who believe in the gospel, we must gaze upon the scripture, including this proverb. It is a mirror where we can inspect the condition of our souls. Let us lay aside any arrogance and pride that may lead us to personal ruin. Now, in, do not take integrity as a small thing. It is not trivial, far from trivial. It must be considered and taken seriously. It is a virtue upheld by scripture. Therefore, let us not assume that we are perfectly upright, with perfect integrity. So that is what the humility, we need that humility to say, maybe I missed something out in what I did today. Lord, guide me. Forgive me if I, uh, I was not straight in my statement. And the other lives we have lived, other lies we have said. You do not form agreements and just change the agreement without the permission of the other person. If you have an agreement, two parties have an agreement, whether it's a verbal agreement or an agreement in contract. We don't just change the agreement without the permission of the other because an agreement was made by two parties, at least. You can't just change the agreement. So when I say to my wife, yeah, one day. I'll buy you that one day. That might be before I die, but I'll buy that. <laughs> Mothers take care of the family. They want stuff for their children. But I'm the more sometimes pragmatic. Sometimes she's the one's more pragmatic. But we don't say something that we will not fulfill. We say, it's not within my power now, but if I have that power, by His grace, I will. So never say you don't have time to read your Bible. That is a lie, and you have no integrity. You're crooked to the core. Oh, that's poetic, right? That title of the next sermon, crooked to the core. We just say, I'm undisciplined. Pray for me. Gee, at least you're honest. You're coming to our coffee time, we will have, we'll pray for one another, enjoy a little food. I'm busy. You want us to talk busy? We'll check your schedule, okay? I'll put a tracker on you. No, I won't, that's privacy <laughs> violation. But what if you're a fishbowl? What if you live in a fishbowl that people watch you? How will you behave? 
what you say and what you do should be consistent or else you are removing trust from you. And privately, people may not say you, they don't want to work with you because they don't trust you. Through God's grace, it is our calling to walk a path marked by integrity and uprightness. Let our yes be yes and no be no. That's in scripture too. But the sole motive to glorify God according to his word. Therefore, to walk in integrity means to humble ourselves before God and acknowledge the corruption that remains in us through what? The fall of Adam. We have to recognize, as it says in Galatians 5, that there is flesh and spirit at war within us. While you want to live in integrity, there's that flesh that tries to tempt you to not to do otherwise or to do otherwise. So what do we do? We humble ourselves before God and seek for strength. But the implications are clear. And we must admit, because of the fall of man, we do struggle of different things. We do struggle, and that's why we need him. We need his strength. We need his guidance. But there's something else that we need, as he designed it. We need the community. Because God designed it that we should hold each other mutually accountable. It's not just me living in on myself as a believer. And nobody knows who I am. Secret agent believers, right? You see, that's a secret agent. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a classmate of mine said, I'm also a Christian. I jokingly said, Hindi halata. <laughs> Sorry. Mutual accountability, where we report to each other, and that's the growth group, that's a small group, but the ultimate is a discipleship group. We have to be accountable to each other. Somebody should ask, are we meditating on scripture day and night? Somebody should ask, do you still have time with your wife? Somebody should ask such difficult questions to make us accountable. Do you submit to your parents? Do you honor them? Some difficult questions must be asked, but that keeps us, that helps us. While others say, I want to be far from a church so I can do what I want. I want freedom. And we discussed this before. What kind of freedom do you want? Imagine a freedom with no law in a society. Freedom with no rules. What happens? It's the bully bullying the weak. That is what will happen if there is no law. If there is no law, if, if you think you can do what you want, understand that there are consequences to what you do. If it does not bite you now, it will bite you in eternity. Now we know our imperfections, but we will strive by His grace to live the way He wants us to live. Now the mutual accountability is important. <laughs> That's when you grow as a believer, when you're with other people. And you have to admit certain things that you are not good at and hopefully you will learn. It is the humbling process that is always there in a community. Not that we're bringing each other down, it's just we voluntarily humbling ourselves because if they look into our lives, they will know we are not perfect. But everybody should know that we are by God's grace still at this battle of flesh and spirit. And we know that one day we will keep winning, although there are times we might lose a little bit, but we will strive. That is the community that we 
long for. I'm mutually accountable to our elders and to you, and the elders are accountable to you and to me, and you are accountable to one another, and that must be practiced. Now going to the New Testament, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and watch your doctrine. As ministers, we must watch. As believers, we must, we must watch our lives and our doctrine closely. We are accountable. Now allow me in closing. We remember that a ship must be seaworthy, meaning the integrity, you know that phrase, the integrity of the ship. When the Titanic hit the iceberg, the integrity of the ship was compromised. When the integrity of a ship is compromised, then as well the safety of the crew, cargo, and passengers are also compromised. Now we as parents must be, by God's grace, lead with integrity because our children might be in danger figuratively or even literally. Leaders of companies must be leadership worthy as they deal with their employees. Employees must be worthy as well, at least fulfill the contract they, they signed to fulfill. In the same way pastors and elders and ministers, if we are not servant leadership worthy, we're not seaworthy if it's a ship, to be leadership worthy is to remain upright, walking the straight path with our integrity preserved for the sake of what? For the sake of God's people under our responsibility. So as a final reminder, fellow believers, let us not lose focus. The gospel is still the gospel. We're called to that path to proclaim and live the gospel. We cannot deviate from it. Do not deviate from it. We are called to live it and to proclaim it. We must let people know that there is forgiveness of sins, no matter how great the sin is, in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't stop in proclamation. To live the Christian life, we need the community with us. So I hope to know you as individuals. I hope you know each other as individuals. And that is very important. I give you right now, a poem called Integrity. Look at this piece of poetry. It speaks about integrity, uh, which always goes with uprightness. It is innocence and blamelessness. The blessing is divine guidance, so much better than human plans. But the reverse is destruction, best if we receive correction. The proverb is, as poetry, not riddled with complexity. The first line gives us a clear point. Second line supports, keeps it joint. Opposite of integrity, that is what's called duplicity. Dishonesty and treachery, for sure there is hypocrisy. Crookedness, crookedness in a crooked path. No need to be a psychopath to avoid the right and straight way. Some prefer to be led astray. The consequence is destruction, self-ruin, and degradation. But the wise will follow completely Christ and his word wholeheartedly. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
You are gracious and you are good. Bring us to a point where we walk in uprightness, in the small things, in the relationships around us, in the organizations that we are part of. For us who claim to be believers, may what we say and do be the same thing. Although imperfect, yet knowing that there is forgiveness. With our full strength in Christ Jesus, by His grace, with all our strength, all our strength to live in uprightness and integrity. And if ever we see some failures in us, teach us to ask for pardon and to apologize to somebody that I said I would, but I failed. Forgive me. Let me make it up. To even show restitution. Thank you, Lord. Allow our community to live as you want. Teach us to be trustworthy. To earn the trust of each one, but also to give it. Thank you, Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good afternoon. Good morning. God bless you all. Please greet one another before you go. Introduce yourselves to each other.
了。